Good morning. My name is Al Lopez. And this morning, our scripture reading continues in the book of Romans. We are in the sermon series, Romans, the Reason for Grace. The title of today's sermon is Bearers of Hope. Please follow along in your Bible or use the screens. We'll be reading from Romans 15, 1 through 13, from the New American Standard Version. Romans 15, 1 to 13. Now, we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, for his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever is written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with each other according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord, with unity, you might with one voice glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Therefore, I will give praise to you among the Gentiles and I will sing to your name. Again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, he says, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, therefore, shall come the root of Jesse, and he who arises the rule over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles hope. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, church. My name is Peter. I am one of the pastors here. What are you all smiling at? Oh, ladies, welcome back from your wonderful retreat. You've been here now, I guess, a couple of weeks. I forgot to welcome you back last week. But I'm glad because I had to get permission to use this picture. I heard it's kind of uh, what stays at the retreat 
I mean, what happens at the tree stays at the tree kind of deal. Uh, I want to give a special thanks to all the planners and the MCs and the speakers for this retreat. Um, and a very special thanks to all the people who showed up. And I want to do that because we're talking about hope today. And hope shows up when people show up. And when people don't show up, there's no hope. And those who are waiting for people to show up feel the hopelessness. Imagine what the retreat would have been like if people didn't show up. What would the mood be like? The energy level? The impact on this church community after the retreat? What about the momentum for next year's retreat? What would the retreat have been like if the planners and the leaders and speakers didn't do their part or didn't do it well and they didn't put their heart and soul into it? What would the mood have been like at the retreat? Energy level, the impact on this church community or the momentum heading into next year's retreat? This is a poignant point because I keep hearing all these positive things about the retreat. I keep hearing stories. Still, two weeks later, I'm hearing about all of the fun they had and all of the bonding and the ways they got to know each other's silly sides. And I mean, they had like dance instructors and breath smelling contests and <laughs> other, other activities I'm not allowed to speak of from the pulpit here. But with people come hope. And what made this event so special is that people showed up. Look at, the, look at these people behind me. They had a ton of fun in Jesus' name. They really did. They came back energized. They came back strengthened, feeling built up and connected, stronger than before they went to the retreat. And that happened because people showed up. In the church planning world, we used to always say, gathering people is the whole name of the game. You can be everything, but if you don't know how to gather people, you're dead in the water. Because with people come the ability to solve every problem you're ever going to have. With people come the resources, with people come the energy, the ideas, the encouragement. With people come hope. And so we want to talk about hope this morning. Let me read these uh, four verses. I edited them a little bit, but I wanted you to get a sense for the strength of this idea in this passage. Now, we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to his edification, for even Christ did not please himself, so that we might have hope. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that You will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
the long and short of the Christian gospel message is that Jesus Christ, instead of judging us, instead of being critical, instead of pointing out the things that were wrong with us, instead of mocking and condemning us for the sin and the hopelessness and the sickness that we're trapped in, he instead became part of the solution instead of adding to the problem. To the Jews, he provided a way through mercy. To the uh, through the Gentiles, he provided a way through grace. And he allowed all people to experience what the scriptures here call acceptance. Jesus, instead of giving up, he persevered. And he chose, instead of to tear us down, to build us up or to edify. And the encouragement that Paul gives to us, his church, is just as Jesus Christ accepted you and became your hope. Accept one another and become the hope that people need. Be the bearers of hope. Okay, if you remember nothing, this is it right here. This is the prophetic word that we ought to hear today. The thing that we want to do, the thing that we tend to do is to criticize and to judge, and to point our fingers, to step on each other, to mock each other, to be negative, to tear each other down. That's our tendency. And that's what sometimes we sincerely think our job description is. I have to do that. Who else is going to do that? How else will they change? Well, not by that. But instead, our job is to be bearers of hope. Our job is to bring hope with us. When we're interacting with people, to inject energy. To give people strength and courage. We have two points we're going to talk about today. Power of hope and pathways of hope. Ready? Now, before we get into this first point, Power of Hope, let me uh, just set, set us up a little bit. This sermon is uh, actually kind of a redundant one. We're going to just kind of keep talking about how we're supposed to be bearers of hope. And uh, there isn't a lot of research that I'm going to show this, uh, this week. And I really intentionally think there's enough substance, enough meat in just this truth that we are called to be bearers of hope, that we're going to sort of orbit around that pretty tightly. And the application, I'm going to narrow it to our church. And then through our church, as we apply it on our church, we can take that anywhere all over the world. Okay? So first, power of hope. Verse 1. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. This word strong, we've been talking about this idea of Strength and authority and power. And this is the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. And it stands for power or sheer power. And that phrase that's translated right in the same verse, those without strength, that's the exact same word, but it has the prefix a in front of it. Front of it. So it's a dunamis. Those without power. Those without strength. Now, these are two very real, 
tangible, practical categories. There are people who have more power in any given moment or circumstance than others. There are people who through genetics or circumstances or privileges or resources or lack thereof or personality or lack thereof or trauma or presence of trauma or absence of trauma, repetitive stress trauma, for whatever the reasons might be, at that moment, they are without power relative to somebody else who has more power. We are not all on the same level playing field. All of us sitting in this room, though we may all put on our same pretty faces, there are varying circumstances. There are some trying circumstances in this room. There are some challenging relationships. There are some really hard physical conditions, financial situations, emotional crisis. There's a lot that's going on collectively in this room. And Paul's encouragement is this, be strong for other people. Be strong not just for yourself, but be strong for those around you who are without power. Have you ever been in a situation where you are the one without power? Where you are the one with strength? What is the purpose of that strength? It's not just so you can please yourselves. It's not just so you can be strong. But it's so that you can be strong for others. There are many, many reasons why at any given point we might be in a position of advantage over somebody else. And Paul is saying here that it's impossible to judge accurately, to comprehensively take into account every single factor that is causing one person to be in a position of advantage and another person to be in a position of disadvantage. Are you sure you have the insight and the wisdom and the knowledge to be able to look at somebody and say, oh, you're in that impossible situation, but you totally deserve it. You absolutely need to experience the full weight of the consequences of your life right now. I wish I could help, but I'm having such a good time. You know, I, I think that honestly, you're just a worse person than I am. You just deserve way worse than I do. No, we can't say that. Instead of judging one another, which is the bent, which is the slope, just as Christ has accepted you, rather than judging if anybody should and can judge us, it's Christ. And if Christ has made a way, has found a way to be merciful to the Jew and the Gentile, then we ought to do the same. Uh, Dr. Scott Kaufman, he's a professor at NYU. He's a researcher and he's an author. And uh, uh, he recently uh, wrote a piece on um, the topic of hope. And uh, he says this, you know, we've studied many, many different things like skills. People have different skills. We studied people's resources, the level of resources that they bring with them, the kinds of resources. We studied their talent level, uh, the quality and the quantity of their talent. We studied their opportunities. All of these factors 
are very, very important. But all these are only helpful to those who have what he calls psychological vehicles. Right? You have to have the internal stuff to be able to utilize skills and the resources and the talents and the opportunities. We work hard to create opportunities. We work hard to hone talents. We work hard to make sure resources are available, to make sure our skill set is sharp. And yet he says all of that can only help people with the internal infrastructure to utilize those things. So if you don't have the inner stuff, all of that outer stuff isn't actually going to get you where you need to go. Another way he puts it is you may have this great engine, right? You may have this awesome car, but if you don't have the stuff that allows you to drive the car, you're not going to go anywhere. What if you had a fantastic car and it's sitting in your garage filled with gas, but you're in your living room. You can't get yourself into the garage, into the car. Can you get anywhere? No, you're not going anywhere. And so he studies these different areas. You know, recently a lot of uh, scientists have been studying things like grit. Maybe some of you had read articles like this, studies that say grit is the key factor. And then some other researchers came along and said, no, it's not really just about grit. It's about conscientiousness. Your ability to be responsible and follow through and work with integrity. And then another group of researchers said, no, it's all about self-efficacy. Being able to manage your own domain. And then somebody else came along and said, no, it's really about optimism. About seeing the glass that's half full. Somebody's no, 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 no. It's about your passion. Who are you? What do you want to do? What do you love? Another research, no, it's about external inspiration. You have to surround yourself people who are doing the same kind of thing, and then you'll do it. You'll be caught up in the momentum, et cetera, et cetera. All these different categories that were studied. And the most recent study says this, that the most undervalued standout of all of these traits is what? We call hope. Hope. Uh, the prevailing theory of hope was studied by a man named Charles Sidner. Uh, if you study hope at all on a secular level, you come across this name. Because in 1991, he uh, released a, year, a years-long study on hope. And he came up with what's called a hope theory. And he defines hope as this. Hope is... Agency plus pathways. That is to say, you have to have the will, and then you have to have the means. The will is the agency, and the pathways is the means. You have to have the will to get there and the means to get there. And when you have both the will and the means, you begin to experience this emotional thing called Hope. Now, I want you to think about your life for a second. Okay, hope is really, really important. There's power in hope. Hope is a standout quality. More than amount of resources, more than your grit, what you really need internally, researchers are saying, is hope. And hope breaks down to your will. 
Do you have the will? Do you have the means? Charles Sidner says this, that people with hope, when they have the fuel of hope internally, they're able to come up with strategies. They're able to tap into problem-solving skills. They begin to take on an anti-victim mentality. They start learning more. They want to learn more. Their learning aptitude increases, and they start generating ideas. And so some research has come along and say, no, it's really about strategic thinking. And Charles Sidner says, no, it's not about strategic thinking. It's hope that leads to strategic thinking. It's not really about problem-solving skills. It's really about hope that leads to problem-solving skills. Across academia, sports, the arts, science, what we are beginning to see according to Sidner, is that hope is one of the key factors of what allows us to move forward. Uh, to the contrary, people who are lacking hope, they tend to choose very boring and unchallenging tasks. They tend to quit if they fail at those unchallenging tasks. And they begin to feel and act helpless and they feel a lack of appropriate control over their life. Friends, hope is so important. This image that I've been using behind me, this image is a picture of a window in a dark, thick-walled room. And Sidner says, hope is like a window in a dark, thick-walled room. And I want to ask you, friends, this morning, Do you have any situations in your life where you're trapped inside a dark, thick-walled room without windows? Where you don't feel the hope? Is there a circumstance or a corner or a part of your life where you need hope? I'm surprised all the time by how discouraged I actually am. I think I'm doing great. If you ask me how everything, I say, fine. And then we start talking. And then, oh, yeah, I'm kind of down about that. Oh, yeah, that, 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 that kind of hurt. I start finding all these corners and parts of, of the places deep inside where I feel like there are no windows, where there's sort of darkness. Or maybe I don't have the will, or maybe I don't have the means. I feel stuck. How, where does hope come from? Where do we find the will and the pathways? If there's such power in hope, where do we get this hope? Verse 2 says this, Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to his edification. This word please in the Greek, uh, it literally means to align with. It means to take on the other's perspective or point of view. I think in my opinion, the best English word that we have that can translate this word, please, is the word empathy. And Paul is saying here, each of us is to be empathetic 
towards his neighbor. That is to feel what the neighbor is feeling. To see from their situation. It's saying allow your nerve endings to extend beyond your own fingertips. Beyond your own body. And tap into their nervous system. And feel what they're feeling. Look at it through their eyes. Walk a mile in their shoes. And then begin to ask the question, how can I build up my neighbor? What can I do or say or think or be or give? How can I serve? How can I avail myself to my neighbor in such a way that it builds up my neighbor? And this is the simple truth about hope. It is so crucial to life. And the way that God has designed for it to be transmitted to all of us, to each other, is through other people. You can sit in a room by yourself and have all of the resources and the strength and the opportunities and the grit and the conscientiousness, all of the traits that you think you need to succeed in life. But if you're in a room by yourself... You're not going to make it. Because with other people come hope. Our job then is not to be judges or to be discouragers or to be critics or to be commentators, but to be bearers of hope. Some of you have seen this video, many of you. This is a a time-lapse video of our new floors going from carpeted to polished concrete. And uh, I I want you to see it because I want to paint an image here for you. Brian's not helping very much. I wanted to show you this video because I wanted you to have a reel playing in your head every time you walk in here. Uh, Kevin, uh, our Kevin Swanson, uh, pastor here, uh, was in charge of doing the floors, and he and Kent took this on. And if you ask Kevin what one of his very favorite moments in all of last year was, you know what he would say? This floor project. It's not because he's has a floor fetish or anything, but it's because people showed up. Can you imagine what it would have been like if Kevin, Brent, and I were taking on the floor by ourselves instead of the 30 people that showed up? It's just a great picture of what we felt when people showed up And we all pitched in just a little bit to sense of lightness. And this laborious, dirty, dusty task became fun. It was energizing. And we began to feel lightness in our hearts. And we began to feel positive about the future. All of a sudden, this wall had a window. And light started streaming in. And breeze and air and freshness became Kevin's highlight of the year. Because 
people came together and he experienced in his heart hope. Pastor Julie Steele, the trait that I've appreciated the most about Julie, and she has been quite a heavy lifter this year, but what I appreciate so much about her is that every day she bears emotionally the weight of the church with me. I go to her with any conversation or question or problem. Peter, how can I be helpful to you? Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, we can do that. No problem. Day in and day out. Peter, it's going to be fine. Oh, don't worry about it. No, it'll be good. Oh, I've been here a long time. I've been through a lot. She's been here over 30 years. This is how she knows it's going to be fine. She is a bearer of hope. If I'm discouraged and I go to her, she's going to say in faith, Peter, it's going to be fine. One of my uh, challenges of this job in this turnaround, church turnaround situation, is the easy thing for me to is feel and hear so much negative feedback and pushback and criticism. Every week, sometimes it feels like every day I hear somebody's unhappy, somebody's upset and somebody's pushing back or somebody's got criticism or commentary and I know that's par for the courts that's the job and I feel this year like I need so much encouragement I need to have people around me injecting courage injecting energy bearing hope coming to me and saying Peter who cares about these little problems we're going to move ahead We're going to do what God wants us to do. For people to bear that weight with me, I so appreciate it. Because with people come hope. When I was coming to this church less than two years ago, it wasn't Peter, the person that was coming. But it was Peter, the person filling a position that was a stand-in for the person that would be a bearer of hope. My job was to play the role of the one who was going to have vision and inject energy and hope into this congregation. Isn't that true? It's not Peter Sung, the specific person, but the bearer of hope that you were looking for as a church. When we were hiring Brent, what were we looking for? Somebody who would inject hope and energy to that ministry that was declining. And then when Brent came and the middle school ministry went from 3 to 13 to 18, he said, Peter, the ministry is growing. And he started to experience hope because with people come hope. Three years ago, Easter service at this church had 200-something. This past Easter, At our Easter services, we had 536 people. And you know what we felt? Hope. Because with people come hope. As you know, we are now looking after Chris's departure for a Sunday pastor slash director. And we're working hard to find the right person. But it's not so much the specific person. We are looking for somebody to bring hope. And when you hear one of these days soon that we have found someone and you get to hear them lead and you're going to vote and you're going to think about them, 
you're going to feel a sense of hope. Oh my goodness, somebody's coming. Because with people come hope. Many of you know that I have lots of mentors in my life that I meet with on a regular basis. Why do I do that? Why do I have mentors in my life? Because whenever I sit down with my mentors, they bear hope. They bring me hope. Husband, encourage your wife and be a bearer of hope in her life. She has enough criticism in her own head and from the world. She does not need you to add one more truth to her plate. We don't have to die on that hill. Fathers, encourage your children. They need you to be a bearer of hope in their life. Bosses, encourage your employees. Their lives are discouraged and they need a bearer of hope in their life. Church, those of you who have the benefit of having leaders in your life, encourage your leaders. Most of your leaders, I guarantee it, are nursing areas of discouragement in their life. And they need your encouragement. Not your criticism, not your commentary, but your encouragement, your word of hope. Your friends, your church, we need your Encouragement. Verse 4 says this so that through perseverance we might have hope. You know, the people that I find the most encouraging in my life are people who have gone through the most challenging times in their life. You would think the people who've gone through nothing, the people who've only had positive things happen, are the most hopeful. The exact opposite is true. That those who have gone through the most are the most hopeful people. So church, persevere. Don't give up. Through your perseverance, you will find hope. Lastly, here as we close, verse 9, 10, and 11, as it is written, therefore I will give praise to you among the Gentiles, and I will sing to your name. Again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. It's you bearing hope for others that is going to lead to others giving praise to God. How will they praise God when they do not have hope? And how will they have hope if you don't bear that hope? Church, I took on, um, uh, I allowed myself to be a little bit more pastoral today. And I want to continue to end on that note. This world is filled with discouragement. 
you'll be surprised at how discouraged people around you actually are. So my encouragement to you, pastor to church, is that we learn how to be an encouraging, hope-bearing church. Do you receive that word? Jesus put aside his judgment, his criticism, and he bore the weight of our hopelessness on his body. And he persevered through the cross so that you and I, we might have hope, the power and the pathway to life. Let us do the same. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to first thank you that you have accepted us just as we are. And within that context of acceptance, you help us, you inject courage and strength in us. You bear hope. You are our hope. And I thank you that we have that pathway, that trail you blazed towards hope. God, I don't know all of the situations that our church is going through, all of the personal struggles that we bring with us this morning, all of the areas where we feel darkness and weight and heaviness. But we pray for your hope. And we pray that we might be bearers of that hope to each other. God, we confess our sin, that we lean so much towards criticism. It's so easy for us to be negative and feel like that's our job. Jesus, just as you have accepted us, help us to accept one another in Christ and give courage and strength and hope to one another. That is our job, to bear hope in all our interactions that we have this week and beyond. May we be bearers of your hope. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.